Welcome to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast, connecting you to the leading minds in home improvement to discuss all things marketing and leadership. And now, your host, Kyle Powers. Welcome to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Powers. And today's guest got his start going door to door in the real estate business and having some successful programs with that with Century 21, uh, which led him to move on and become an instructor at the Long Island School of Real Estate and as well as at the City University of New York. Moving on from the real estate business, he joined the home improvement industry in 2012 quickly advanced to being program director and building up a large canvassing program for a renewal by Anderson franchise in the New York area, covering several of the New York boroughs. One of his proudest accomplishments as canvassing director was seeing and developing many of his entry-level canvassers to grow into much more significant roles in the company. So without further ado, my fellow consultant, Chris Williamson. Hello, Chris. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing pretty fantastic today, and how are you, Chris? I'm good. Good to hear. Hey, I'm really excited to have you on the show today because you are going to talk about probably the biggest topic and questions that we get when we visit uh, you know, clients in their offices as well as when we're at seminars. And just about everywhere we go, we're always asked this question and how to help with it. And Chris, what is that question? Please help me hire people. How do you recruit? So, yeah, how do you recruit? How do you find them right? And then once you find them, how do you get them on your team and, and hopefully, you know, stay on the team? Right. It's so, the biggest uh, challenge companies face today. Yeah. And so I think before we really get into it at exactly how to do it and, and what I'm excited about is you're really going to put some, some tips and points out there to really get, you know, up and running and, and how to essentially create a recruiting process and system just like you would uh, in your marketing, right? Uh, absolutely. So before we do that, though, let's talk about what are maybe some of the pitfalls or some of the, the bad things that you've seen, um, you know, uh, clients in, in different companies do that don't bode well to recruiting? I think the biggest problem I see that companies have when it comes to recruiting is, is that they wait until they need someone to look for someone. You know, they're, they're not constantly hiring, and they, they tend to hire out of desperation, which kind of leads into possibly hiring the wrong person. And then hiring the wrong person, of course, leads to high stress levels for management and leadership, trying to get that person to do what they need to do, um, and, and high turnover, right, which is always something that we also get asked is, hey, how do we lower that turnover? Uh, you know, in the entry-level call center marketing event positions tends to be a pretty high turnover, and if companies can really lower that uh, by hiring the right people to begin with, all the better, right? Yeah, I mean, let's face it. If, if you put the wrong person into the mix, not only do you have someone that's probably not productive that you may not enjoy working with, but it may cost you other employees who are going to leave the company because that bad hire that you made is just imagine putting someone that nobody likes in a canvas van that's traveling with six or seven other people. It could just make life miserable and make people want to leave your company. One bad hire could cost you multitudes of people. 
times. Yeah, and then usually that bad hire sticks around, and it's all the good ones that leave. Yeah, and, and what does that bad hire do? They, maybe they don't even like the job. They like getting a paycheck, but maybe they're bad-mouthing the company. Maybe they're maybe they become a, a, an HR nightmare down the road. You know, and I think that's what happens. I, I think that we, we look at that one bad hire, but we don't think about what that one bad hire can do to everybody else and what it can do to your company and morale. And it's, it's, it could be a disaster. Yeah. And so when we were talking, uh, you know, earlier about this topic on recruiting, um, and, and you had brought up the fact that, you know, most companies wait until they absolutely need somebody, uh, and then they make that hire out of desperation. And I think a lot of the times the reason why the bad hires get made and out of desperation is because the person that's tasked with recruiting, right, either hasn't been yep. trained, doesn't have the system, uh, and doesn't really know what they're doing. Yeah, 100%. I mean, systems are everything. You know, um, getting processes in place that are going to help you make good hires and make people feel welcome uh, leads to, you know, happy, productive employees. And so usually the second question we get uh, after how to recruit, how to find somebody is is where to find somebody and there's really not just one place right no and that's it, it, it it's not one place it's it is time it can be very time consuming uh you know recruiting is not something you want to do like when you get around to it or on the side right it's, it's typically something that's got to be going on all the time uh and and different jobs and different positions within the company will require maybe going to different places. You know, if I'm looking for an experienced, say an experienced salesperson, I may not go to a college campus and talk to students where if I'm looking for a canvasser, college student is a great place to find someone, you know? So, so it really depends on what you're hiring for too. Yeah. I've always liked to say that, you know, the one best thing that you can do in recruiting is not just do one thing, right? It's, it's to have a a massive kind of, net approach through you know, personal referrals to, you know, online to in-person to, you know, uh, job shows, job fairs, all those type of things uh, to kind of have a multi-system approach just like we would in, in, in marketing. I, I, I can even tell you a great story. I was looking for, uh, yeah, there's different websites we use. We, we, you know, we do a lot of recruiting at Tony Hody and there's different sites I go on and different places we may place ads and a lot of different things that we do to generate interest in a position. And I remember I had a, had a position for a canvas manager and I was talking to Tony Hody and I said, man, this is, you know, things are a little slow. You know, we, I'm trying to generate more interest for this position. And he told me to throw an ad on Craigslist. And I said, nobody's using Craigslist anymore. You know, he goes, yeah, but for a canvasser, they may be on there. And sure enough, we, we did a, we put a $25 ad up on Craigslist and, I immediately got like seven or eight um, good app, you know, applications to, to go through for the position where I don't know that sales reps maybe or someone of that nature is going on, say, a Craigslist. So, you know, it, it's different for, you know, different positions, you know, and. Uh, and what are some of those what are some of those platforms uh, that you utilize when when recruiting for? Uh, Tony Hody Consulting, as well as, you know, when you were back uh, as the canvassing director of a large program, what platforms have you all utilized? So we, we all know the main ones, right? Indeed, ZipRecruiter, uh, LinkedIn. I mean, they, they definitely do uh, 
generate you know generate resumes, but um, and applicants. But I, I've gone. I, I found over the years too. Um, most areas, like I, I was just hiring for a position in Milwaukee. You can find websites. Um, you know, Milwaukee Department of Labor, uh, Milwaukee brand ambassador, Milwaukee door-to-door people. Um, you just have to find these sites, and I put postings everywhere. I've gotten uh, – just we did a little recruiting down in Rolling, North Carolina. Same thing. You just have to find these sites. Aside from just the main ones that we all know about, there's typically localized sites that you can find. And a lot of these sites have thousands and thousands of people that belong to these – like Facebook groups and, and, and things of that nature that will actually share your posts to other people. And you can really get the word out there that, that way. Right. And, you know, in our current state of affairs uh, coming out, uh, hopefully coming out of the back end of this whole pandemic thing, uh, I know, uh, you know, a lot of states are starting to open. And I think I read something that, uh, you know, like 48 of the 50 states will have some type of movement on opening up their state here within the next, you know, week or so, uh, which is a good thing. But I have found, and I'm wondering if you found that too, uh, right now is a phenomenal time to be recruiting. Sure. I mean, I, I've had people reaching out to me, experienced people that were that were laid off, and possi- possibly they could go back to that job that they had before, but maybe they weren't totally happy. So now is the time that they're kind of reaching out and uh, they're saying, hey, do, do you know of anybody that's hiring in my area? Because uh, I'm, I'm interested. You know, and, and you can you can interview people now. You know, everybody's doing Zoom meetings and Skype and, and Go, and there's all these sites you can go on to you know, be recruiting and talking to people without even being in the same room with them right now. I mean, what a great time to be recruiting, right? Yeah. And, and I, uh, am working on a uh, recruiting contract, uh, for a client and, you know, going our, our normal channels, those same channels, you know, indeed and zip recruiter and Craigslist and all those kind of things that you talked about. And in the last two weeks, I've gotten more response on just those basic postings than I ever have. Uh, it doing recruiting. So I think now is definitely the right time that if you're not maybe necessarily, you know, generating leads face to face, you can at least have your face to face managers, you know, back on really building their team and working on that system and processes and getting some great people hired right now. You know, I saw some great things. I mean, look, and I know on Tony's podcast, when he, when he interviewed Tony on that first one, he said it, and it, right, and it's very true. Like, it's different for every state, and it's different as far as where your office is located on, on what the rules are. But a, a lot of companies just kind of shut down and they, they they turn things off. You know, like say Canvas or, or retail or events just kind of got shut down. Um, but some companies have kept the team intact. I've even seen like a few Canvas departments that were out. The company had them out delivering food to hospitals and things like that. You know. When everything gets turned back on, they're going to be ahead of the game because they have a team in place that's ready to go out and generate leads. So I think the more you can do now as far as recruiting and getting the right people in place so that when that valve gets turned back on, the better off you are because you're going to be ahead of the game. Everybody else is going to kind of be following you if they turn the valve on and now you're trying to hire. Now is the time to do it so that you're ready. Right. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And if, uh, if, you know, we had a client maybe that as a hypothetical, uh, type of situation here, Chris, if we had a client that, you know, they, 
you know, have maybe a, a few million dollar, you know, home improvement business and, and they're doing well and they're really looking to grow and, and, and let's say maybe, you know, start a canvassing team. Uh, you know, obviously we always talk about the first steps, finding that right leader, uh, which we help with a lot, uh, at Tony Hody consulting, uh, find that person, but let's say that we just give them that person and that person's in place now. How would you work with that company or what would you tell them are some great steps really to, to really get that, you know, recruiting machine up and running? Because as I always tell a leader, whether it's an event leader, a call center leader, you know, a canvas leader, uh, any one of those management positions, your job is to recruit. That's number one, then train. And then of course, motivate and lead by example, you know, with their team. So we really look at recruiting as being one of the number one things they have to do. So if someone had no experience doing this before, what's kind of the, the system or the first steps that you would give them to really get that recruiting machine up and running? Yeah, I mean, it's really important that your leaders have some kind of training when it comes to recruiting because what do we tend to do in the home improvement industry? Maybe we have a great canvasser or a great events person or we have a great salesperson and we promote them to management and we say, okay, now go recruit. And then we can maybe every week in the weekly meetings with uh, the president, we, they maybe complain that we're not recruiting enough. But what we did was we took that great canvasser and put he or she into a position that they're, that they're not comfortable with. Right. They, they don't, I, I found canvas leaders don't like recruiting. And the reason is that they're not good at it. You know, so the first thing is training. There's gotta be either somebody in your company or somebody who was brought in from the outside that's going to show them how to do it, you know, how to do, how to do a phone screen, you know, how to, how to generate interest. You know, if uh, a lot of companies just place one ad and then they just wait for the resumes to come in. And that's, you know, that's not really, to me, that's not recruiting. That's just answering an ad, but, but your leadership may not know how to do it. So the first thing is you got to ask yourself is who at your company are training these new leaders to recruit? Yeah, that's a great first step. So one, they learn how to do it. But I think even along with learning how to do it is having that proper expectation set at what their team size needs to be um, in, in how to get there. Because uh, you and I talk about it all the time, right? The mistakes that that we paid the dumb tax on and, and, and we learn from, right, growing. And, yep. and, and one, I can remember one of my early things with recruiting was, you know, hey, I put this ad out there. Well, I got the ad out there. I mean, I've I've updated it, you know, consistently to keep it to the top, which I've seen a lot of companies that don't update their ads. You know, hey, if, if you're going to place ads and, and especially sites where you have to pay for these ads to be on, you want them to perform. You want them to be, you know, updated frequently. Um, and so you, you have a person that I put an ad on. I mean, I at the sites you told me to, I can't help that I don't have anybody, right? Yeah, and, and what happens, like, I'll go to Canvas just because I spend so much time with canvassers. Um, think about like the typical, you know, the canvas, the canvasser gets promoted to team leader. Now he's responsible or maybe he's even a department manager now and he or she has to keep the van full. So what I found was a lot of people, they just want to know how many people are in the van, right? But would you rather have 10 canvassers getting 10 leads or five canvassers getting 10 leads? You know, five canvases getting 10 leads, it's the same amount of leads, but it, it costs you half half the money because you, you've got half the amount of canvases getting the same amount of leads. It's not always about 
how many people are in the van. It's the quality of the people you have in the van. And we tend to get hung up on those numbers, you know, and I, I've met enough like canvas managers that just want to be able to tell the boss, Hey, I've got 10 people in my van. Cause they're afraid they're going to get yelled at if they have seven or eight, but you're better off maybe with the seven or eight that generate the same amount of leads. Or it's like the sales manager where the goal is, Hey, you need 30 salespeople, right? Or, or, or you're not hitting the number, but what if at 30 salespeople, you have a 27% close rate, but at 27 salespeople, you have a 32% close rate. Yeah. You know, so, so it's not just about having the numbers, it's about having quality numbers. And and that's where I, I, another place where I know we initially talked about some mistakes company companies make. Sometimes less can be more, but it's about hiring the right quality people. And I think that is a huge point, even more important in our current state uh, with everything that's happening um, I've been, you know, posts from a lot of different clients bringing to me, Hey, what's this new normal going to look like? How do we get ahead of the curve? And, and I really think instead of having these huge, massive programs, you know, multiple big vans running and stuff, I think it's even going to be more important to essentially have less people, less contact, but at a much you know, higher level of professionalism with much better returns on each person's, you know, work that they're putting out there uh, to, to really do well. I really think that's kind of the way that it's going to go is, and, and, and we've really been preaching that already. I was just talking to Tony about it the other day, you know, especially with like the brand ambassador program. It, it's how do you take that one person and make them as effective as two, three, or even four or five normal marketers? Yeah, I mean, do you want to have a canvasser or do you want to have an events person? Would you rather have a brand ambassador that can, that can do both, right? It, it, they could go out and canvas around the installations during the day and then that afternoon go, go work in a hardware store, you know, to generate leads. And brand ambassadors, you don't need 10 people in a van. You know, it could be one guy, one, guy, one gal in a car, you know. Um, and that might be the way the business goes. Maybe instead of 10 people in a van, you have brand ambassadors driving to their territory. Yeah, or even like you had stated, having that, you know, three or four guys that does the work of, you know, six or eight guys. I tell you, we, we talked about the dumb tax, right? Paying, here, I'll give you a quick story of me paying, me paying the dumb tax. So I was running a huge canvas department in New York, in Long Island, and we opened up a Brooklyn location. And uh, the president and I, you know, we, we were just used to running vans. So we got a, got a big van for, for Brooklyn. And what I found out in Brooklyn is, number one, it's hard to park a big van. Right? It's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but a lot of Brooklyn we weren't able to work in based on, uh, on historic areas and stuff. So you could work like two blocks and then the next 10 blocks we couldn't really work on. So minivans would have been so much better in that area it's just an example of smaller being better i could have dropped one or two people off in an area and then driven you know 30 blocks away to another area we could work but instead we had this big van that we couldn't park that was loaded with canvassers and we were just continually moving people the whole shift but you know and as i got to learn about brooklyn most companies in there use the subway they don't even have vans but again it was the, it was paying the dumb tax you know yep um and if you're only dropping one or two people off, if you would have hired the right one or two people that were super professional, that understood the the metrics of the Brooklyn area, you know, and could go out and really get it done without a lot of supervision, that would have been even better. 
Yeah, 100%. And and the sales in there were huge because the, there was a lot of value in the houses. But my, the leaders just spent most of the shift moving people around, which became a problem. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a great story. I have many like that myself coming up through the ranks and, and, and learning by, uh, you know, what do they say? Fail, right? First attempt in learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but so, okay. So going back to, uh, getting the recruiting machine up or running. So you talked about, okay, so we, we have this person that we put into leadership, whether it's someone we promoted or they've hired someone or used a service such that we offer at Tony Hoda consulting to find them that person, the proper expectations get laid out to that person at what they want for team size. I, I think team size, as you stated, should not be one of the main goals. It should be profitability first and growing it to that. Uh, yep. we, we've gotten them some training, whether it be from HR or something at, hey, here's where we can post ads. You know, here's how you do it. Here's how you, you know, refresh them. Um, and so now now they're to the point where they've got their ad out. They've maybe are going to do some job fairs and they've created essentially just like their marketing sources, their sources for recruiting. So what's really that next step? So they got the word out. Now they got some inbound inquiries coming to them. What's some of those next steps, Chris? I, I, the first thing is you have to figure out um, who's going to handle the inbound inquiries, right? Like if somebody's calling on an ad or they may be emailing, um, they may be texting. I've seen companies that are using texting now for uh, for job postings. Who's handling that, right? There's got to be a process. Somebody's got to call them back and do some kind of a phone screen to, to interview them. Yeah, I've seen companies where they just they just basically they get an email and they just respond, come in Friday at two, you know, instead of doing any kind of phone screen. So I think phone screen is going to be a first step, and it's important um, to speak to them to see if it's a if it's a possible fit. And on doing the phone screen, so, okay, so we got the leader. They know where to place the ads. They've been trained on how to do that. They understand that they're the person that has to answer that phone and, and get back to that. And, and, you know, one of the tips I'll kind of throw in there is you need to treat recruiting just like I've said it a couple times in this call already on that marketing source. You know, a lead, we want to get to it right away. Same as recruiting. You get that inbound, uh, you know, resume in or inbound phone call and a voicemail. We want to handle that right away. We want to get it to it right away. So you had mentioned phone screen, you know, phone interview is that first step. So that leader gets on the phone. What do you recommend, you know, for that, that phone screen? What, you know, process or system do you put in place for that? Yeah, I should throw in, I say phone, but it could be a Zoom or something like that, too. It might actually be, it could be face-to-face. Well, I'm just used to saying phone, right? It doesn't even have to be the phone. It could be kind of a Zoom or a Skype kind of thing, um, you know, even FaceTime, whatever it is. But when you speak to someone, uh, you want to, you know, I always say review the resume, ask them questions, try. They should be doing most of the talking. Right. If you're doing all the talking and you're trying to sell the job, you're not really finding out about them. Yeah. Um, and look, let's face it. If they're not if they're not real talkative and they're not real chatty and you're hiring someone that's going to be a sales rep or a face to face marketer, that would be a big red flag for me right off the right off the bat. Right. Yep. absolutely. And. I've found, you know, for myself when doing that phone screen is, is even though I got real used to doing it, Hey, we're humans. We miss things. We forget things is, is having some type of a script that I follow, you know, when I'm doing the phone screen, uh, how about yourself on that? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, you want to ask you pretty much ask the same same questions for the position. You want to treat everybody treat everybody the same, right? Um, but what I find is as you ask questions, they may say things that lead you to other questions you might ask that aren't in your script, but after you have that conversation, then you can kind of pop back into your script and ask the next question. You know, so it helps to keep you focused. Yeah, and I found that it helped me essentially take the human air side out of it uh, when I always had that system or that process, that script on the phone interview to make sure. Uh, yeah, sometimes they go down on, on tangents like you were just talking about, but really uh, making sure that everyone that I'm bringing in has fit my mold essentially that I've created for who's a great culture fit and, and hopefully a great fit on our team that, you know, will be productive and stuff. Um, all right. So they've called in, uh, and we've answered the phone. We've used the script, uh, to ask the questions to them. And now we think this is someone that we would like to take the next step with. And that would be what Chris? Well, now we want them to come in, um, you know, especially if it's over the phone, right? We want them to come in and do a, a face-to-face interview when that's going to be, when that's going to be possible. Um, and, Kind of like you said earlier, as far as treating it urgent, like I like to treat them like next days. I want them to come in like right away, like the next day. Um, I don't, I don't like it when they say, "Yeah, I'm available to come in for an interview like a week from Thursday." You know, they're not really excited about the position, you know, unless they're out of state or something. But I, but I want them to come in. I want to meet with them in person. Yeah, that is a great tip to get them in right away, and so much so that if they really can't make it today, would be best, right? Hey, it's the morning. Yes. Can you come this afternoon? You know, and if they can, all right, tomorrow morning. And I have found that the people that say, actually, I'm not available, you know, till the week after Thursday or whatever, um, what I've always told them, and I don't know if you have a little tip at handling them or what you do, but I always like to give them the benefit of the doubt that as we always say, right, we want to hire the underemployed, not the unemployed. So if they're busy yes. because they have another job, I give them the benefit of the doubt. But how I always set that up is, all right, if you're available next Thursday, you know, a week away, what I want you to do is I want you to call me Wednesday, the day before, and, you know, let me know if you're good to go for Thursday. And and I don't reach back out to them anymore. And I always looked at it as, hey, right. hey, if they called me that Wednesday and said, yep, I'm available still tomorrow, when can we meet? I definitely wanted to meet with that person. Yeah, I've learned. I, I agree a hundred percent. Like I've learned over the years, there's little tricks you can kind of find, like just by speaking to somebody. Um, you know, are they are they a go getter? You know, like I don't typically like to say, "Would you like to come in for an interview tomorrow?" I might say something like, "Wow, it sounds like we, uh, you know, we really may have a connection here. This this position might be uh, right for you. I, I'd love to meet with you personally and then see if they jump on. Well, can I, I can come in today. I can come in tomorrow. They they may do it." You know, where I don't have to sell them on the next day. If they're a go-getter, they're going to do it on their own. Yeah, and you had brought up a point, too, where if you're doing all the talking and you're really trying to sell them on the position, uh, I think there is a time to sell them on the position, right? When you understand, they understand the job and you think they would be a phenomenal fit. Obviously, you don't want to let them go uh, if, if they're willing to do the job. Uh, and you want to sell them on why, why you, why your company, you know, why this position to them. Um, but I think that also goes hand in hand, right? When they're 
needing to fill that position and they just need to make a hire. It's almost like they get that live person and they just make it sound just, you know, so, so great this job that, geez, how could you even be looking for somebody? How's someone not in this job already? Um, and then you, you hire somebody that really isn't a good fit by overselling them on the job. Yep. Yeah, we, in sales, we talk about commission breath, right? The customer can smell, you know, the the commission breath on you. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that in hiring too. You know, we're, you're almost, especially in Canvas, right? It's it's, you know, I, I like I've I've consulted in Dallas in August. It's hot. You're trying to convince somebody to go out and walk and knock doors in August, and if you feel like you know you're really selling overselling the job, it's obviously uh, it's probably not going to be a good fit. You know, um, and I've seen that. I've seen commission breath on on hiring. You know, you don't want to. Of course, you want. I, I always say, like, I kid around. Like, I, I want the job to be like that movie Top Gun. Like, only a select few get accepted to be in in Top Gun. Well, it's kind of the same thing here. Like, we're a great company. Not not a lot of people get to work for the best. I really believe we're the best. Um, so I, I like to work, use words even on that phone interview, like if, you know, if we decide to have you come in for an interview, if we were to hire you, a lot of ifs, the right person is going to want to, you know, their mind is going to say, man, they don't accept that many people. What do you mean if they bring me in for an interview? I talked to three other people and they're begging me to come in for an interview. This guy keeps saying if I, I want it. Right. I want that kind of enthusiasm. Yeah, that's that's a great a great tip right there. So, all right. So we're at the point that the leader's been trained at how to recruit. They've used a multi-source approach to get the information out there looking for a person. They've got an inbound call. They've answered it. They followed the script that you create for a phone interview. Now we decide this is someone we want to meet within face. And one of the things at Tony Hody uh, Consulting, uh, we like to do kind of a different step here than an in-person uh, interview. Uh, and that's an observation day when they come in. Can you Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. The observation is great. Like, and um, I go back to, I always go back to Canvas, right? So talking about Canvas, you know, I could tell someone about canvassing. They could sit in my training class for a week and we could talk about canvassing. But when they actually go out and hit the street and start knocking on doors, it's a whole different thing. So do we really want to spend the time, you know, and make the investment in the person, say for a week to two weeks without them really knowing what the job's about? So, why not have the interview be an observation? We, we tell them, hey, look, you're going to come in uh, Monday at 2. You're going to spend about you know six hours with us. You're going to go out and walk with our team. And, and that's actually the interview. They can actually go out with the team and see what the job is. Uh, you could do it in sales, too. You could do a, a ride-along, that kind of thing. But it, it's an observation day right away. Yeah, and I've always set that up, uh, you know, again, paying the, the dumb tax. The observation day is is always the best. I, I got away from it because why I you know was busy and got lazy, so to say, and and, and didn't want to take the time to do that. But when I look back, when I had the best teams and the best culture with my teams, it's because we did an observation day and we got to take them out with some of the people and see how they interacted and they could see the job firsthand. Because I had some people, just like you said in the interview, they're like, "Oh man, this sounds great," and then they get out there and they're like, "I can't do this. There's no way I can do this." Yeah, this is totally not for me. And so having that observation day, uh, and it goes the other way too. I've had people that are like, oh, I don't know about that. And you think they would be great at it. And it's like, well, hey, well, what we do for that you know, in-person interview is actually a little different. We're going to have you come in. Uh, and what I'd like to do instead of having it do the whole shift, if it was possible, 
was to, uh, you know, get the team out there, have my secondary leader, you know, take the team out there so they could see, you know, the, the pre-shift and the, you know, the motivation, the excitement the team has and the culture that we have. Uh, but then I would just take them real close to the office, you know, for like an hour, just so they could see some interaction. And, um, you know, cause I didn't want them to, you know, oh, six hours. Well, am I going to get it paid for that six hours? And how does that work? And, and different companies handle that and are worried about different things in different states, you know, at, right. at HR things and stuff. So I always try to, I always wanted to get that observation day in, but I, I would always try to have it like an hour. I think, yeah, if you can get them to do a full shift and it works, that would op- optimally be best to spend that whole yep. day with the team. Um, so observation day, uh, they come in for that face to face. Go ahead. Yeah, if I could say something, too, with the observation day, it ties back to something we said in the beginning, too. If you're going to have recruits observing your team or you're going to have whatever it is, a new sales rep going out with one of your salespeople, that also drives home the point that you need to make good hires because they're going to be a reflection on you. What if you send someone out for an observation day and then the people that are in the field are saying bad things about the company or they don't like the job? Yeah, that's not going to go so well. No, so it all ties into like the, the the state of your hiring is even going to affect your future hires too. Yep. And so, and so the next step, so that person comes in, gets the observation day, um, and you know, fill me in on on what you're doing on the observation day when you take them out there in the field. What what's going on? Typically, we, we call it shadow. I always called it shadowing. Um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna maybe a senior rep, maybe your team leader. Someone that you trust, maybe you, if you're the manager, you're going to go out and you're going to do the job. You're going to canvas and, or you're going to work a show or you're going to work retail and, and they're going to basically walk behind you and just observe. And I, I used to even prep them like, look, you don't have to say anything. Just kind of stand behind the person that's at the door so that, you know, we want them to stand behind the person at the door. So the owner is only looking in one direction. You know, they don't get, they don't get nervous if there's two people standing on opposite sides of the front porch. Right. Um, I would prep them, you know, put your cell phone away. I don't want you on the cell phone. You know, this is, this is, uh, this is business. And they're, they're basically going to walk and they're going to see exactly what happens. And one of the reasons too, I want to put them with someone senior, aside from the fact that they know the job well, is hopefully they're going to write some leads. So the person's going to actually see us having success, right? We can tell them how great it is, but if they see it, it's even that much better. Yep. Yep, exactly. That leading by example. Wow. It was that, you know, I can remember I had an observation day once where I was taking, it was a new team I was building. I brought my first two new hires out and Hey, I got real lucky. I hit one block uh, and I set three appointments in one block. Now, how often does that happen? Almost never. Right. But it just so happened that they got to see that happen. And and those guys were great reps. They're like, wow, this is so easy. And so in their mind, they're thinking I can get paid this and this is all I have to do when it's that easy. And they had that mind frame. So the job was easy for them. Right. Um, so it's important to, for them to, to see success. So, all right. So the observation, uh, is done. You want to offer them the position. What, what's that kind of look like? You know, what steps do you do in, in putting together kind of the offer, um, you know, things like the, you know, position contract, how do you explain things to them as well as, you know, a briefly touch on maybe onboarding them. Cause I really think that's that last part of recruiting is what does it look like when, you know, their first day when they first start? Yeah. I mean, I've seen companies where the, the recruits come in on their first day and they're sitting in the lobby for, you know, it seems like forever before someone even acknowledges them, you know? So you want to be ready for the recruits coming in. 
Um, I mean, it all, it all starts from the initial phone contact. We, we want to be seen as professionals and like we have our act together, you know, so we want to greet them. Um, we want to have an area where we're going to do training, you know, even, even if it's in the kitchen, right? I've seen companies that were limited on space, but we shouldn't be running around looking for space, you know, as the recruits are, or the new trainees are coming, are coming in. So we want to have everything prepared ahead of time. We want to be careful about who is doing the training, you know, um, should be someone that knows the job really well. I mean, it might be you as the man, if you're the manager or you may, maybe you have a company trainer, um, but there should be somebody that's designated to do the training that does everything the right way too. Like they're not, they're not saying here's the pitch. I, I, I literally, I just worked with a company where the manager said, here's the pitch, here's the company pitch, but don't do any of it. Just, just memorize it in case someone asks you about it, but I'll tell you what you should really do. And you know, it doesn't work. So be very careful about who, who's running the training. Um, I know Kyle, you were telling me a story about how somebody came in on their first day and on their computer, they had, they were already sit their desk was already set up for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking at that, when you're on board someone again, like you said, professional and that you're prepared for them to be there. So, you know, Hey, if it's that small company we're talking about that has their first, you know, canvassing manager in place, he's recruiting his first people. Well, he's certainly the one doing the interviewing. He is certainly the one you know, uh, doing the observation day with them. He is certainly the one doing the training. Uh, you know, it's all that manager. Uh, I know we like to talk a lot of times, you know, who's doing it because, you know, we, we've come from some really big teams where we had multiple staff members to be able to help us, you know, with those type of things. And it couldn't always be us. Um, but, you know, going back to that small company again, it's, it's always that leader is the one that's, you know, getting that done. And yeah, I mean, if I look back at the times where I onboarded a new hire and I just didn't really have things ready and I was focused on other things. And again, like you said, maybe they had to wait for a little bit before I grabbed them. Uh, you know, those people don't work out as well, but when, you know, they came in and I had the, you know, the work polos ready and their hat ready to go. Cause I'd already gotten the sizes from them when I was hired, you know, in the hiring process. Uh, and I had their clipboard ready to go and, and everything was set up, you know, they really felt like, wow, I'm, I'm a member of this team, you know, right away. And, and kind of the analogy you'd brought up a story of, you know, even outside our industry, right. When someone's starting and their desk is set up and their computer says, you know, Hey, Chris, welcome to your first day with, you know, ABC company. Um, and, and everything is ready to go. You just, you feel a sense of like you belong and it's the team and that they want me here as opposed to, oh, this is an afterthought and Jesus, this is really the culture that they, you know, treat their employees with. And it, there may be things that may seem minor to the people in charge, but it may be major to the new employee. Like I've, I've worked with companies where, there's an employee that's been there for two weeks or three weeks and they still don't have a, a, an ID badge or something like that. You know, it's a big deal to them. They don't even have an ID badge after two weeks. Yeah. Cause instantly, uh, when they're out in the field and they're not doing well, it's, well, I don't have my ID badge. I mean, these guys that are doing well has the ID badge and then it's, it's not, I'm not doing my job. It's you didn't do your job so I could do my job. Right. And I used to, um, when I had my, I had a training, yeah, we, of course we had observations and we do field training, but the first day of in-house training, when they came in, I would always just walk around the building and introduce them to everybody I could. Like, hey, this is Mary. She's the company accountant. She handles payroll. This is Jim. He's the company president. Like, uh, there's there's the, the bathrooms. There's the kitchen. There's the coffee machine. Like, 
just made them feel like, you know, we, we had a big call center. I love to walk them into the call center and they, there'd be, you know, 40 people in the call center and I'd have the whole call center greet the new people. You know, it was just, it made them feel warm and at home. Yeah, absolutely. Just go on that extra step and, and make them feel a part of the team. So, hey, before we get to the last segment here, uh, just a quick recap. So we talked about right getting the, the right leader with the right expectations uh, at what recruiting looks like and some training for them. The sources, we'll call them, of where they should place ads. Um, and, and, you know, we're starting to run out of time, but, I mean, there's, wow. re, you know, employee referrals, that they can do. Yeah. There's so many more than just, you know, placing ads, but to really take a multi-source approach, don't just rely on, on one source there when recruiting and then having that system, that scripting in place when they call in right on that, that phone interview, uh, having them come in quickly and getting on that quickly when that happens an observation day is best. Uh, when they come in for that face-to-face so they can really see the job. doesn't matter if it's canvassing, events, retail, or what it is. It, it works in all those situations. As you talked about, even sales, seeing a ride-along. Um, and then, you know, once you've gone through all that and you feel that they're a right fit and they feel that they're a right fit, really making sure that you onboard them correctly and professionally uh, to really create that culture you want. So really, that's, that's the system that, that we teach and that we use, right, when we go out and visit clients. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And you actually said something we could have done probably another half hour on is the ex, the uh, internal search before you go external. Who do, you, who do you have that might be maybe not the greatest sales rep, but might make a great retail manager or canvas manager? Or what canvasser might you promote into sales? You know, things like that. That's a whole other avenue we could have gone down, you know? Yeah, so we'll probably have to look at doing, uh, you know, stay tuned for episode two of, uh, you know, Chris and Kyle on recruiting. Um, So that kind of brings us to the last uh, section here, uh, Chris, called uh, Power's Powerful Point. And what powerful point do you have uh, for the listeners today? You know, I thought about this long and hard because, like we said, recruiting is so vital, right? But the most important thing I could tell everybody is when you think you have enough people and you don't need to recruit, you're wrong. You always need to be recruiting. Recruiting never ends recruiting has to become part of the company culture you can always you can always do better you know you can always find someone that'll help your company produce more but never stop recruiting ever yeah and that brings me back that's a a, a phenomenal powerful point and that kind of brings me back to something i said earlier right where the leader on the marketing side whether it's call center events retail canvassing their order of business should be to recruit to train to motivate and to lead by example themselves. And if they get really good at those four things, they'll blow the doors off of it. Wow. Right. Like we said, we we were talking so much about smaller being better, but even better would be being big and having everybody productive, you know, and that's why you, you just never stop recruiting. Absolutely. Well, I thank you so much for being on the show today, Chris. And uh, we'll talk about uh, getting episode two out there of recruiting, right? And, uh, and following up on some of those points we weren't able to touch on. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at LeadCon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. New dates, new dates coming out with that. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, you can go to the website, right? TonyHody.com uh, and, and take a look at when the new dates get posted up there for LeadCon. 
in, he, everybody can check out our beautiful headshots on TonyHody.com. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much, Chris, for being on the show today. And I look uh, forward to having you on a future episode. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Kyle. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast. For a free consultation on how Tony Hody Training and Consulting can assist with your home remodeling business, please visit TonyHody.com. That's T-O-N-Y-H-O-T-Y.com. Thank you for listening.